We are, we're starting a series today. So if, you've, if you are new today, tuning in or here, it's a great day to come because you're right at the very beginning of, of a topic or a section. Uh, as we're going to spend the next several weeks looking at um, how we grow spiritually, all right? And uh, I'm going to give you some kind of inside uh, knowledge of how we do things at the church over the next several weeks and how we see the church, especially the local expression of God, how your individual growth plays a part in that, and sometimes the stuff that uh, confuses us about the church is actually sometimes actually designed to be that way. It's actually designed to be a very unique expression, um, especially when it comes to everybody individually growing and then the, that group kind of coming together. It's really, really amazing. It's not something we enjoy in the world, in our culture. We, we do everything we can to get more efficient at things, but as a church, I want to share with you over the next several weeks just how beautiful a picture it really is in terms of individually and as a church, representation of a church, how we grow and how we grow in our faith. Now, the, the, we decided to revisit one we did a few years ago, and it wasn't because we can't find new ways to uh, you know, come up with creative things, but sometimes, even when we did it, we said, we're going to be doing this every couple, two to three years. Because if you see the card in, in, your, in your seat, um, it's, it's one of these tools that we believe is going to be very, very helpful for you. And I'm curious, for those who are in the room, who were here three years ago, when we did this before, you'll remember it. And maybe you may not remember where you were three years ago, but boy, it's going to be fun if you do. And then today to talk through, gee, where am I now, right? Like, where, where do I sit now? And, uh, and if you're embarrassed by that, you don't have to tell me, but that's okay. I, you know, that's just a, a part of the exercise, right? Um, I do want to give you some very basic foundational truths just so you all understand how we're approaching this uh, and why it is that we want to make sure that you don't walk away any from any one of these weeks with any sense of guilt or shame or condemnation, because that's just not my style. It's not how we preach here. It's not what we do as a church. All right, Our goal is to encourage. Our goal is to, yes, assess, but from here, be able to encourage you in your growth as you grow spiritually. Here's some of the foundational truths I want to walk you through. Um, just to be able to know, all of us must go through each stage. We used a physical development language so you would understand that there's no way to skip these, right? It doesn't even matter. You know, Doogie Hauser still had to go through all the stages. He just might have went through it a lot faster than you, right? Anybody remember Doogie Hauser? Crying, am I the only one? <laughs> Crying out loud. Goodness gracious, might as well be talking in Hebrew or something. I don't know what's going on. All right, so no, it, it's just one of those things where you, you know, even if you are a rapid, uh, you know, you went to school at 14, right? Like, you know, to college at 14, doesn't matter. You still had to go through the stages, and that's what we want to make sure you understand. We don't talk about these spiritual stages, you know, in this way without having the, 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 the foundational understanding of you can't bypass any of these. You have to walk through them, all right? The next one, though, is this. We all process stages differently and at different speeds, and that's okay, right? We all do this differently and at different speeds. Um, that's part of just understanding that it isn't a race, right? We grow differently. Um, some of us maybe have harder times in areas of our life. We surrender to God. Uh, we started our faith and walk in this way. And then, you know, you, you were a child and now you're an adult and you're still struggling through your trust and through your faith in God. And so there's parts of this that just, it just happens. We all go through it very differently. Could be years, could be months, uh, or at least appear that way. And the third one's this. 
Spiritual stages of growth are not dependent on your actual age, right? You can be a 40-year-old child. We know plenty of those, right? You can be a 40-year-old child. You can be a teenager, okay, a teenager, and actually be spiritually a young adult, okay, well on your way. You could also be a 60-year-old baby, right? And that's just part of how this works. It depends on when you began to follow Christ and when you began to take your growth in Christ seriously in terms of intentional. So here's a couple of our theme verses because historically, um, Christians in the church, again, not, not a modern problem, problems all the way back to God's people, um, we, we tend to get stuck sometimes. Sometimes we get stuck and sometimes we just get content and we just stop growing. And it gets stagnant, and our faith begins to just kind of mellow out. And as I'm going to share with you a little bit later on, um, we don't usually stay. Like, it's not like you can grow to a certain spot and then just kind of keep all that. It's very much like a muscle. It's very much like exercise, right? What happens when you get into great shape and then you decide to take a few months off, right? A few months later, you're not in the same great shape that you were. And that's the reality of our spiritual growth in terms of, again, physical kind of illustration of that growth. Here's how Paul, that Paul, sorry, the author of Hebrews, we're going to look at Paul as well today, but the author of Hebrews says it this way, and I love uh, some of the passages we're going to read, especially from Hebrews, as he approaches God's people, the church, that there's much more we would like to say about this. He's talking about, he's talking about the foundations of Jesus Christ and the faith that he, that he brings and brought us in terms of the early church and the way. But it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull. And don't seem to listen, okay? This, you, start, you get the scolding now, right? You hear a little bit of the, the stern words. Now, we become, now the author's apparent, right? You're a spiritual adult. You don't seem to listen. Keep going. You've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others, meaning there is an expectation of growth. Instead, you need someone to teach you again, you guys understand this part about, you got to go back again to learn the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. This is not a compliment by the author, right? Like, he's, guys, guys, we got a problem here. We need to go further, but we can't because of where you currently are. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know what is, or doesn't know how to do what is right. He gives this as a clarifier. He keeps going. It says, solid food is for those who are mature. Through training, they have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. And guys, I'll be honest, this is a really big deal, okay? And we'll look at it in the stages in a minute, but, you know, the childhood spiritual development is where you solidify and where you begin to work through the convictions in terms of what God says is true and is there an absolute truth for life? in terms of what is right or wrong. Because before that, everything is just sort of what people tell you. Everything is just sort of what you're being fed. And if you're not careful about where you are being fed and what you are being fed, you won't know right from wrong. And he will classify that as, look, you're still spiritual babies. You're still spiritual toddlers and children. And you should be further. You should continue to be growing. The goal is clear that through training, through discipline, the discipleship, you continue to grow and mature. This is how Paul does say it. This is his uh, version in, in, in to the church in Corinth. He says, brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk to you, though, as if you belonged to the world, as though you were infants in 
the Christian life. He's basically, again, not giving them a compliment. He's saying, you know, when I spoke with you, I couldn't actually speak to all of you like you were just all believers in Christ. I had, to tr- I had to talk to you like some of you are still part of the world or some of you are just babies in the faith. He said, I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready <laughs> for anything stronger. You know, it was going to go over your head. You weren't going to be able to digest it. You weren't going to be able to work through that. And you still aren't ready, he says. For you're still controlled, why? By your sinful nature. You're jealous of one another. You quarrel with one another. Doesn't that prove that you're controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you just living like people of the world? And this is a very hard contrast for us because anytime we took a hold the mirror of God's word up to our lives and we look a lot more like the world than we look like him, we look a lot more like our culture than we look like Jesus, then, then we have to understand that we really are not growing in our faith. We're not seeing advancement in our own development. And arrested development is just as bad spiritually as it is physically and mentally. If you guys would look at it across the board, when you see people who are delayed, diseased, and delayed mentally and physically, there's compassion, hopefully, in you. Because you see the, you see the damage, you see the struggle, you see the, the arrested development that's in them. They can't go any further than where they are or it's so much slower than it should be. And the problem with that, obviously, is the fact that spiritually we can experience the same things. And it's just as bad spiritually in arrested development. But again, we're designed to grow. And that's just kind of the bottom line for today. Hope you guys hear that, see this through the series. We are actually designed to grow. thing out of my neck. All right, can you guys hear me? Listen, all I know is I started singing Southern Gospel the moment I grabbed this mic earlier today, so I can't tell you what's going to happen this morning. All right, I might start crooning. That's just, this is just, this is the reminder of many, many years of singing Southern Gospel with my wireless mic. Okay, so anyway, try not to go there fully. All right, we are designed to grow. Yep, that's where we left off. We are designed to grow, and as we look through this chart, I want to be able to challenge you, and again, not, re- not, not, not condemn. Uh, there may be some rebuking. There may be some encouraging. There may be some correcting of things you thought were true, but I want to be able to encourage you. That's the goal. So if you have this, go ahead and look at it. Go ahead and pick it, pick it up. Uh, I'm going to put some, put some on the screen, but it's going to be really hard for you to see uh, the whole chart, but just for you to see um, what we did, this was years ago, uh, Pastor Chris and Pastor Don and I sat down and just kind of worked through this, prayed over this, worked through this um, in terms of how could we best give an illustration. Now, there are so many more factors in your growth than these three things, okay? But we wanted to just help, again, help you to identify how you feed, how you learn, how you receive, how you lead or teach or how you pour out to others, and how you experience faith, how you experience your walk with God right now. 
okay? So that's, these are the three sort of categories that we're using at this time, right? Growing is natural, it's expected, and it's necessary for our lives. The first one I want to walk through is this sort of baby stage. And again, if you guys remember foundational truth, everybody's got to go through it. Everybody is a baby spiritually at some point. And usually, again, that's when you are born again. That's when you come to faith. It doesn't matter how intellectual you are. When it comes to your faith, to spiritual matters, you are going to start here as a baby. Go ahead and go to the next slide. You are 100% dependent on something else to feed you and something else to teach you for you to begin to learn. You, you inconsistently mimic, which is how you respond to things, right? And it's necessary. Again, necessary for formation, right? Now, again, going back to this, when you see babies, physical and spiritual, the quality and growth of their development really does depend on who's around them, okay? Who's taking care of them? Okay, if you have nothing but children and teenagers taking care of babies, that baby's going to struggle. Am I right? It's going to struggle. If you don't have some mature adults in a baby's life to help care and nurture them, and it's only kids, it's only other toddlers, there's going to be a little bit of a problem with their development in terms of their growth, right? They mimic inconsistently. How many times you try to get a baby to smile and they smile all the times you need them to, you know, they smile all the times you don't need them to smile, but when you need them to smile, right? There's my, here's our eighth month picture. You haven't smiled yet, little one, right? And you can't get them to smile, but then, you know, she gets gassy and there it is, you know, like a big smile. Pop. You're just like, where's my camera, right? Thank God for the smartphone, right? We can capture them so much quicker. I'm, I'm just saying it from a standpoint of that's how it looks physically and that's how it looks spiritually. They're just sort of, they're just sort of repeating what other people have said. It's sometimes random. It's sometimes inconsistent. And it's just a necessary part of, of, of development. First Peter 2 says it this way. Rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Why? Because like newborn maids, they crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Okay? Spiritual milk is beautiful, it's wonderful, it's needed, and it's something, again, that you're designed for as you first come to Christ, is to crave that spiritual milk that will feed your salvation, that will feed your understanding and knowledge, where you get to taste and see, that's the psalmist, where you get to taste and see the goodness of God. Sometimes I still enjoy milk, right? And sometimes that's just things that takes me back to my childhood, and I think spiritually I get to enjoy some of those things too. Sometimes I go back and have some of that milk because it is always a reminder to me of the early days of my faith and the early days of just remembering the greatness of God and the grace of God and the compassion and love of God. It's a good thing that babies are cute, right? Everybody with me? Good things babies are adorable, right? Because we would not put up with a 30-year-old doing the things a baby does, Okay, spitting up all over the place, blowing out diapers left and right. Like, nobody's going to put up with that. And it is the same way spiritually. I'm just telling you, this is where Paul, or the writer of Hebrews, was like, I'm just, I'm struggling here because you're just still there. And you ought to be teaching others. You ought to be further along in your faith. You're no longer a cute, adorable baby, and it's no longer okay, is what he's basically trying to say. You should be further along. And yet, 
Again, it's a necessary stage. You need to have spiritual babies in your life, in your church. You, you, as a, as a growing, spiritually growing person, need to have babies in your life, right? That, that's part of remembering, okay? It's part of remembering and having compassion and remembering what growth is all about. It's why you need spiritual babies that you can disciple and come alongside of and encourage in their faith. Because someone needed to do it for you. And the quality of their growth, the quality of their growth is going to be dependent on you coming alongside them and being a part of their journey. The next one is toddler. Not that different. Obviously, you guys can even see that from the physical standpoint. You're still 100% dependent in terms of how you receive things. Uh, You are still mimicking. Okay, It's a little more consistent. You might actually know what you're saying. Right? And there's a lot of clumsy trying. This is how your faith is experienced. A lot of clumsy trying. Sometimes it's a little messy, right? But it's not that different. I love the, the mimicking idea because, you know, if you haven't seen the video, if you haven't seen a video or a TikTok yet where somebody catches a kid, a toddler, you know, swearing, you know, and everybody just kind of for a moment thinks it's really funny. And then you go, oh, oh where'd that kid hear that from? Right? Well, he's, they're mimicking from what they heard from mom and dad or Uncle Joe or older siblings, right? Like, that's, that's a part of what toddlers do. And so, again, the importance of who toddlers surround themselves with and who is walking alongside of spiritual toddlers is going to have a lot to do with how they speak, how they talk, how they try to communicate, because they are still mimicking. They're still repeating, okay? I call them one-liner Christians, okay? You guys know the one-liner Christians, Right? One-liner Christians take that, that bottom line thing and just, just kind of repeat it over and over. They write it on their dashboard. They have it at work. You know, fear ends where faith begins. Hallelujah, right? A setback is a setup for a comeback. Y'all with me? I could preach a whole sermon on that. Seriously. Okay, they're one-liner they're one Christians. Again, not a bad thing, but these are toddlers spiritually. That's the best they got, right? The best they got is a one-liner that is true, that they kind of cling to their faith, and as they clumsily kind of try to express faith in their life, it can look a little silly sometimes. They can mess up very easily. But guys, just hear this. Just hear this. I'm going to read this, this verse, and then I want you to hear it. They need us. Every spiritual toddler needs growing adults and young adults and teenagers and children to be in their life to come alongside them. Here's what Luke says. This is what Jesus says. In Luke, he says, the student is not above the teacher. Everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. You know, the mimicking's not a problem unless it's bad. And that's the problem with a good toddler, right? Toddler's going to mimic good or bad, it doesn't matter. They're going to mimic good or bad behavior, good or bad words. And he says that the, the, the student is always going to be fully trained, will be like the teacher. And that's why we point everyone to Jesus, you know, I am not, this is part of just our church culture, we do not call ourselves spiritual fathers here or, you know, kind of place a burden on, on me or the staff or you in terms of our, you know, engagement in you. We believe fully, you know, when Paul t- said that he gave the church apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers and shepherds, it was for the purpose to equip God's people. And that's what we do. Our goal is to always equip you to look to the real shepherd, the real father of your faith, who is Jesus Christ. That's our constant goal is to help you understand who it is that you are supposed to be looking like, who it is you're supposed to be mimicking. Okay. Even as a toddler, I don't want you to mimic me. Okay. I want you to mimic him. That's a big, big part of it. But even as a toddler, what I said earlier is, listen, 
They just need you to cheer them on, right? You guys remember toddlers in your life? Maybe you still have toddlers in your life. What do they need, right? They need to show you they, they, they climbed three stairs without touching the, the wall. And what do you do? What do you do? Say it out loud. What do you do? Yay, right? Am I, am I right? Okay. Guys, spiritual toddlers need the same thing. They need people in their life to be able to cheer them on. I memorized two scriptures this week. Yay! That's awesome, right? It really is fantastic. And especially the way God designed the church, which I'm going to talk a little bit more next week. But you, if you think, you know, sometimes we'll go through series, we end a series, we start a series, and people in the church, if you're new here, you think, well, this is really random. You know, maybe there's sometimes just randomly picking and choosing what we do. But guys, there's a lot of prayer, <laughs> a lot of energy poured into why we go from a Genesis six-week series to a, to a current event, justice, current modern justice series, back to a victory in Jesus series, and then to a marriage series. Like, we do this on purpose because we have a church full of adults and young adults and toddlers and teenagers and kids and infants, and we're doing our very best to equip, to encourage, to cheer on. And that's just a part of what church looks like. And that's a part of our spiritual growth as well, is not just what stage we're in, but who are we working with? Who are we helping and who is helping us? I'm gonna keep going and come back to that more. But the child, the child, <laughs> the child is still dependent, okay? Still, still really dependent on you, on the adults around them, but they start to have preferences, and they start, this is where sort of defiance starts, okay? This, they start to have preferences, and they start to kind of defy you a little bit. They want to do their own thing. This is normal in, ch in children in terms of development. Uh, they, it's a lot of messy trying, you know? They're trying to form their own opinions. They're trying to form their own words, trying to form their own, you know, actions, and it's a lot of messy trying, right? But it's fun. Children are usually in this stage, at least we hope they are. It's fun in the discovery, because they're always learning something new. They're always trying something new. They're always engaged in something, and, it's, and, and whether or not it is fun, have you ever seen children? They can almost make it fun, right? They can make it fun. They have the ability to do that. This, however, is a stage in most, most people's spiritual development where they are, they're beginning to submit to an understanding of what is right and wrong. They're beginning to submit, and this is a, a critical stage in childhood, to develop whether or not there is going to be an absolute truth in their life through the word of God, or whether truth is gonna be a constantly changing thing about how we feel something is true. You guys have heard me preach on this before, but this is the child stage of development where you're beginning to sort of have those preferences. You begin to sort of defy what you don't like because you don't feel like it should be that way. You don't feel good about it. But that is a child spiritual development where you are struggling, and it's okay, struggling to figure out what is true which is why we need the word of God, which is why we need good preaching, which is why we need good churches, which is why we need good discipleship between the people in your life. This is the stage in which people begin to leave the church. And I'll be quite honest, this is the stage children, you know, ch childhood in terms of spiritual development, this is the stage where the majority of Christian bloggers live, all right? 
Here's why I left the church. Here's the 10 reasons millennials don't like you. Here's the, here's the reason this doesn't work. Here's the reason why we, we would rather see this and we have the preference for this because it's all driven by this, by this constant need. They're trying, it's messy, and they're causing messes because that's what children sometimes do. But spiritually, they're struggling because as they think like a child and they process like a child, they sometimes leave the church. And they can never handle the adult problems and the adult issues of life, no matter how old they become, because they're spiritually stuck in that child phase. They're still requiring sort of people to feed them. So they got 18 podcasts and several blogs and several, you know, churches they follow. And they're trying to get fed, 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 but they are really not yet able to do it on their own. And it becomes this issue where preferences begin to take place and they start to make messes. And guys, if we're not careful, this is where the church, the church and church people hurt the people of God. The people who, who are children in their faith are often the ones who get hurt the most from the church as an organization, as an institution, and from other believers who simply do not have patience for children spiritually. Now, I'll be honest. I'm just sharing this out loud, okay? I'm looking at Jason Thompson here. Jason Thompson's been serving in our children's ministry for, I don't know, 37 years, something like that. I mean, it's been, church is only 20 years old, but he's been around for a long time, right? He's been serving children. Now, now Jason, if you ever know Jason, Jason's very opinionated. He's a strong-willed guy. Love Jason to death, one of my very good friends. He loves children. And one of the things that switches in his brain, I've seen it happen, is that when he gets with kids, there is a patience meter that he doesn't have for a single soul. Isn't that my right? There's a patience meter that he doesn't have for a single human being that just happens when he gets with children. That just happens. It's beautiful. Okay, it's magical. I don't work in children's ministry because I don't have that. <laughs> Everybody with me? I don't have it. I get around children, nothing magically happens at all. Right? So, so I, we understand this, and this is something about your faith, but I can be honest with you, it's the area of life that I have to pray through the most because when I am working with children, I recognize sort of the, the markers of children spiritually. doesn't matter how old they are. I pray a lot for patience and for guidance and for love to be able to walk with them and care about them and understand where they are because I don't want to be a part of their story of hurt. I don't want to be a part of their story of, of getting stuck as a child. I want to be a part of their story of helping them move and grow and get to that next phase, right? Let's read this again to the church in Corinth. When I was a child, I talked like a child, and I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. If that's where you are, if that's what happens, the child stage, right, it, it's normal. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. We need to have children in our life, and I'll be honest with you, it's one of the things that many churches struggle with. We struggle to be okay with having a church filled with children spiritually. And yet one of my very favorite people, she went home to be with the Lord just about four years ago. I went over to her house one day, and she was struggling with cancer, and, and uh, we were just talking, and it just came up because they talked about their grandkids, grandkids all the time. And she, she told me, she said, you're, you're you know, in our house, you're going to see fingerprints everywhere, 
right? You're going to see them on the door. You're going to see them on the TV. You're going to see them on frames. You're going to see them on tables. And she said, and we don't clean those off. We don't clean those off. Why? Because they are the evidence of life in this house. Everybody with me? They are the evidence of life in this house. They are the, they are the, I mean, in her mind, what a, what a tragedy it would be if they weren't there, if they didn't even exist. And there has got to be something in you and in me as we work through it, whether we ourselves are children spiritually or whether we are just working in a church. We're a part of a church where children are welcome and children are encouraged and children are here. We need to be able to say, this is the evidence of life, spiritual life in our church. We're not going to wipe those messy fingerprints down. That's just part of who we are. That's part of what we see. And we want to be a part of each other's stories to see each other grow in our stages, grow physically, just like we want to see each other grow spiritually. Next one is teenagers. I could say a lot of things about teenagers. You guys know this. Again, we, we, we talk about this from a, from a physical standpoint as well. You guys get this. There's partial dependence, meaning that they are still dependent on you, but they, don't, but they resent it. You guys with me? All right. And they, and they want to be more independent. And this is where the questioning comes. This is when the boundary pushing comes. This is when, you know, teenagers, you know, if you ever, it's not just teenagers. Again, spiritual teenagers are adults who want to know how close they can get to sin before God's really mad at them. Yeah, with, you with me? Okay, that's a, that is a spiritual teenager, right? How, how much can I do of this before God gets really mad? And it's really inconsistent. As a matter of fact, we talk about the expression being haphazard, right? They exercise their faith in a very haphazard way. It's the same as teenagers, like, you know, one moment you can't get them off the couch, okay? You can't get them to move. They're sloths, really, right? And if they're doing something they love or enjoy, you can't get them to stop, right? You can't get them to back down. You can't get the practices. Who cares about the practices? Who cares how late it goes? Who cares? Like it's haphazard because it's so driven by now. This is a part that most teenagers don't like, especially spiritual teenagers is opinionated ignorance, right? Opinionated ignorance. This is not meant to be mean. This is just meant to say that teenagers spiritually get really kind of locked into those preferences and, and they can start forming opinions and they can start forming their, their beliefs around things. I don't, know how, I don't know how long it's been since you argued with a teenager. Oh, it's a joy, I tell you. It's a joy, right? Why? Because they believe it and they are so wrong and you can take them to Google and show them they're wrong and open up the encyclopedia and show them they're wrong and call their neighbors and say that and their friends and say how wrong they are. And they're going to be like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm as right as rain. Again, I don't mean that just, this is not to, to condemn. This is to help you understand that rises up in all of us. Hey guys, we all go through it. <laughs> we all get there. We all get there or we've all been there. Okay. I remember early in years of ministry, where I lived there, in opinionated ignorance. Because that's just part of being a spiritual teenager. Matter of fact, I love this. This is from, again, Paul to the Corinthian church. He says, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. Well, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek out their own good, but for the good 
of others. Paul is writing the church, guys. And listen, teenagers in your faith, okay, teenagers growing spiritually, this is where you are pressing every grace button there is, okay? You are, you are sort of, uh, Donnie calls it in his book, uh, jumping up and down on the cross, like really trying to see, like, is this an unconditional love that God has for me? Is it truly unconditional? And they will push boundaries and they will rebel. And then they'll come back to faith, especially when they realize that there is nothing they can do that makes God love them any less. And there's nothing they have done. I'm oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> there's nothing they can do that makes God love them any more. And there's nothing they have done that makes God love them any less. They start pushing those and understanding better the grace of God. This is a big deal. And, and for us as a church, this is one of the reasons that we don't have t- uh, programming on Sunday morning for our students, for our, our middle school and high school students. We sort of intentionally chose to do that. Why? Because we need teenagers. We love that they serve, but we need them in the room. We need them worshiping in a multi-generational church because, hear this, Lord willing, they're going to spend the rest of their life worshiping in a multi-generational church. At a certain point, usually around middle school, it's not that we ignore their needs. We still have the path. We still choose to engage, you know, peer-to-peer and help kids grow and learn. But at some point, they're going to leave the nest, and the church model, the church, the beautiful picture of the church, is that it is a multi-generational gathering of believers, not just spiritually in stages, but physically in stages. So we need our teenagers to learn this. You know, I want to I stand beside the 40-year-old mom, and I want to stand beside the 62-year-old dad, and I want to I just sing and worship God and learn the value of being a part of what the church really looks like. And they have to learn that before college. They have to learn that before they leave. Because they leave and, they, and no church looks like them. They can very rarely find a church where it's nothing but peer-to-peer. And guys, I'll be honest, I'll share more next week, but peer-to-peer, nothing but a church that looks like peer-to-peer is gonna be a bad situation all the way around. You need what the church, how the church was designed to be in terms of a multi-generational church. And at the end of the day, this verse does help us understand not to seek their own good, but the good of others. Um, if there's one thing that spiritual teens need to understand is that it's not all about them right? It's not all about them. And listen, I'm just telling you, we all, we all go through the stage or are going to go through the stage where everything you read in scripture has to do with you and has to do with how it meets your needs and how it, how it meets your wishes and how it answers your prayers. And that's the only verses you're interested in reading at the time. That's the only verses you're Googling and trying to search for. And a spiritual teenager is really consistently working through the lens of how it affects me, which is why I can do anything, but not everything is beneficial. You're not supposed to just be seeking out spiritual truth because it's all about you. You're supposed to be doing this for others, which moves us into the young adult stage. Young adult stage is where they are obviously independent. They begin to have that independence spiritually in terms of feeding themselves. They uh, have informed preferences, meaning it's not just an argument. It's not, it's not ignorance. It's actually informed preferences, meaning that there's a lot of shoulds and a lot of oughts and a lot of needs to, need to and a lot of passion. Very little wisdom, but a lot of passion. 
in the young adult when they're just kind of like, well, it should be this way and spiritual life should look like this and churches should be this. And there's a lot of informed arguments, again, convictions and arguments that they have about how things ought to be no matter what, no excuses. And this is where they begin to systematically solidify those convictions. And I want you to hear this. These are all stages that we need. These are good things. The problem is, is that with that independence, with that sort of informed preferences, can come a self-righteousness. And that's not healthy for your spiritual growth at all, but we're going to experience it at some point. Everybody here is going to experience it at some point. The self-righteousness that comes when you just happen to be a little bit more mature than you. I'm not pointing at Jim for a reason. Anyway, um, you know, where you just happen to know, yeah, Mark's sliding over. If you, or you just happen to know a little bit more than them. Like, you know, like, like, oh, bless their heart. You know, you guys ever heard the saying before, the Southern saying, bless their heart, right? Because there's a self-righteousness comes when you feel like you have the knowledge, you have what it should be, you know what it ought to be like. And there's a little self-righteousness that comes because you don't need anyone to influence you anymore. You know, you're independent. You, you don't really need the sermon every single week. You've formed your own opinions. You're beginning to solidify your own, you know, your own convictions. And yet sometimes with that comes that self-righteousness and it can be really hard to get through this stage. Again, the child stage is where a lot of people leave the church spiritually. If they can make it through to sort of the teenager and the young adult stage, this is the stage that again, passionate, loving, trying to follow Jesus, messy in that, you know, sometimes very ignorant in their opinions, you know, their preferences are being held like a moral imperative. And yet, we're all going to go through those stages, and we need those stages to continue to grow in our faith. Here's, a, here's the, from the H, uh, HCSB, Holman Christian. This is the, the version of, of Paul writing to Timothy, this, his young disciple. And he's telling them that if anyone teaches other doctrine that does not agree with the sound teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ, with the teaching that promotes godliness, he's conceited. He understands nothing, but has a sick interest in disputes and arguments over words. You, you don't know of anybody in the church like that, right? Like anybody who just enjoys a good fight, you know, a good argument, or just wants to just battle over words like, like, what do you think that word the really means? You know, I don't know. I don't know. You think the means that, but I think the means something else. And the problem here, again, comes from that, that drift towards self-righteousness. Keep going. From these come envy, quarreling, slander, evil suspicions, and constant disagreement among people whose minds are depraved and deprived of the truth, meaning that somewhere along the way, they really began to lay some tracks about what was going to be true that had a lot more to do with what they felt was true versus what was actually absolute truth, and who imagine that godliness is, is a way to material gain. Guys, this is, this is a lot of times where people get stuck with that kind of prosperity gospel. Again, it's not just because it's all about them, but they look at, at spiritual things as a way to bless them now, bless them in their spiritual life now, that everything, every scripture about the promise of God to bless you has to do with right now. If you do this the right way, if you say it the right way, if you believe it the right way, it's going to happen now. It's going to be today. You can claim that promise today. And a lot of times that young adult spiritually, again, it's messy. 
but it's something they have to work through. It's something that they work to towards maturity that needs adults in their life and children so they can remember what stages of growth look like in their life. And we end with adult, although what you'll notice with adult is that it doesn't really end, right, in terms of growing. It doesn't really end. Is this another verse? Sorry. Did I miss it? I skipped something? That's all right. It probably wasn't important. Um, now I'll, I'll look at it in a minute. I want to go to this first because I'm, I'm not going to read every single one of those verses. Um, in the adult stage, these are just words we try to use again just to help us. But we're independent but balanced in how we feed, meaning that we're independent in the standpoint of, of um, being able to feed ourselves, but we also understand the value of still being fed. You know, some of the most mature adults that I know uh, are some of the most consistent people who come to church because they can feed themselves. They can work through spiritual, deep spiritual thoughts on their own, but they understand the value and understand the importance of corporate worship. They understand the value and importance of, of, of teaching and having it being challenged in their mind. Why? Because the way they work, the way they pour it out with others is informed humility, meaning that they know what they know, but they don't claim to know everything, right? They, they know what they know. I, I've told people this for a long time. I, it's like the older I get in terms of growing spiritually, um, the less I think I know about everything, right? The less I think I know about everything. Now, I'm extra, I feel like the deeper I know my faith, the deeper I feel like I have my relationship with God, but the less I claim to sort of be that, that young adult and that teenager that sort of has it all figured out. It's informed humility. I have the knowledge, but it's not so that I can claim to be right over you because what you have to share with me and, and the conversation we might have might challenge me in some of the things that I've, I've believed my whole life. It might be encouraging to me. And there's a healthy practice. There's a healthy practice. Yeah, 2 Timothy 4 was preach the word and be prepared in a season, out of season to correct, rebuke, and encourage. That's just the heart of this. I want to go to Philippians 3 um, and Ephesians 4 just to walk us towards the end here. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead... I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take a view of such things, pressing forward, looking forward, that on some point you think differently that to God will make clear to you, right? If we're going to disagree about something, I just pray that it works itself out, that God's going to make it clear to you that you're wrong and I'm right. And you know that, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Yeah. In, informed humility, obviously. no. That, that, you know, that we're going to come to a place, and even if we don't agree, that it's not going to be a, a division in us. That God will reveal that to us. Only let us live up to what we have already attained, where, where we're at currently. Let's stay there. Make sure we don't shift and drift. Keep going to Ephesians 4. To equip his people, this is again Ephesians 4, God gave these gifts to the church to equip his people for works of service that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith. Not sameness, not... Not everybody looking the same, because we're not. But in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Keep going. We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching 
and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. This is, this again, this is the, the, the problem with it. You staying an infant or a toddler. Instead, we're going to speak the truth in love. We're going to grow to become in every aspect of respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. This is the goal. This is the target, is maturity. Now, as you walk through this, I just I want you to understand, again, you probably already have a pretty good idea where you are, right? You might feel like you're in one area on how you express it or how you experience it, but you might feel like you're a different area in terms of how you feed, and that's fine. Again, this is, this is not perfect. This is just one of those things that we hope will kind of shed a little bit of a light on where you might be. And then I want you to consider how long you've been there. Have you seen growth in your life? Now, it's okay if it's incremental because that's, you know, face it, from teenager to young adult to adult, we don't see it happen as quickly, right? Usually from child, baby to toddler and to child, we see that so much more in terms of milestones. But, but it's okay if you look at this and say, you know, I'm just, I'm stuck here. And maybe you've been stuck there for a while. I want you to just remember this. This is going to be the last two slides for you, okay? Don't confuse discipleship with maturity, okay? Don't confuse discipleship with maturity. This is one of the reasons that as a church, we do not get up here every single Sunday or in our small groups or in things we send you online and basically berate you on where you are spiritually and where you should be. Okay, berate you about where you currently are as on your stage and because you're not where we want you to be. We're not where we think you should be. We don't do that because that is an aspect of maturity. What we do talk about is discipleship. We talk about what the marks of a disciple look like, the core ambitions of a disciple, right? You're gonna partner, you're gonna grow, you're gonna serve, you're gonna lead. Take the steps that do this. Discipleship is the process, is your life. You're gonna always be a disciple of Jesus. Maturity is the direction you're headed and it's the goal. You know, the goal is to get to be an adult and to stay there. We can easily get to adult and slip back to teenagers anytime we want to. Why? Because we can give it up. We can, we can stop intentionally learning and we can drift back to old preferences and old ideologies and old things that people used to tell us that we thought, well, you know what, that sounds so much more, you know, that feels so much more right than something else. The discipleship is the process. And this is why we focus on discipleship. Are you partnering? Are you giving financially? Do you understand tithing? Are you, are you a part of serving the family of God by volunteering? You know, half of our, of our children's ministry team, people who serve in children's ministry, haven't returned to start serving in children's ministry again. Over half. Part of that's because of, of COVID, and part of that's because some are still online. They didn't have gas to get here today. We understand. Won't be that way every week, right? But that's part of what we do. We partner and volunteer and serve the family of God just like a, a someone would serve your own family. That's what we do. We get a part of groups and community groups. That's part of how we experience community. So you partner, you grow, you find the ways to grow spiritually. You begin to serve by using your gifts and your talents and ways that, that are unique with aligning you with the purpose that God has for your life. We teach you how to share your faith and lead others when it's online and in person and at work, how to share your faith with others. That's discipleship. That is why we spend all of our sermons and all of our time pointing you to the steps to take in discipleship because we know that that is what will help you get to the next stage. 
We know that that's part of the process, part of life, part of the, that. The direction is maturity. That's it. The goal is to keep maturing and growing. But discipleship is the process. That's the process. Keep going. It's okay to be where you are. It's not okay to stay that way. Okay? It's okay to be where you are, even if you're stuck. It's not okay to stay there. It's not okay to stay there. Just, just remember the goal. Remember the direction. Next week, I want to talk, and I'm really excited about next week because I just get to share a little bit about the sort of the behind the scenes of why this church looks the way it does and why it doesn't look like another church. Why we function sometimes the way we do and why we have an ultimate goal of kind of looking like the church we believe that God set up for us to look like and how it doesn't really matter what the church down the street is doing or the other church is doing or the old church you went to and another state's doing. I don't actually care, right? Because we actually see a model of God's people gathered in the early church or in scripture and we believe all the benefits that come especially when it comes to this, especially when it comes to how we grow, comes from being the church that God has called us to be and given us the ability in in all the different stages we're in to be as we come together and we represent the body of Christ. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you this morning uh, just for how your word does challenge us and God, it's, again, I, I really do hope that people do not hear from me a condemning spirit, but that God, for myself, just understanding, sometimes I need to remember what it was like to continue to grow in these, in these stages and that I'm still charged to grow in maturity, no matter how far I think I am. God, I'm praying for everybody here today that they are encouraged, they are cheered on, that even if they are in a, a baby stage or a child stage or a young adult, it's okay. That was a part of their process. It's a part of their story. It's a part of their journey. God, there's adults and there's teenagers and there's people in this room who want to walk beside them, who want to make it a part of, be a part of their story as they make growth and maturity the target of their life. As they take the steps in discipleship to continue to, to partner and grow and serve and lead others. God, it's only by your power and your grace that we can do this because the church was your idea. It wasn't our idea. The church is your idea, and you are the head. You are the king of this kingdom. We're so thankful for it. We pray all this in your name this morning, Jesus. Amen.